Good morning, everyone. It's funny that uh, you know about about maybe four weeks ago, towards the end of July, Joel sent me a text simply saying, uh, "Hey, when the last time you preached?" And I was like, "I think August of 2020." He just simply replied back, "Sheesh." So here I am. Uh, once again, uh, an honor and a blessing to be uh, the Lord's vessel uh, this morning. I will keep you very briefly uh, with the word of God this morning. Uh, so let us begin by opening up in a word of prayer, okay? Father God, we thank you for the gathering of your saints. Father God, your children, Lord God, on one accord, as you have called us uh, to assemble, Lord God, on this day, Father God, to, uh, to praise your name, to give you glory, to give you honor, Lord God, and to hear your word, Father God. This is the day that you have made, Father God, whether it be rain, shine, snow, sleet, whatever the weather is, Lord God, uh, this is the day that you have made, and let us rejoice and just simply be glad in it. Father God, we thank you for our life this morning. We thank you for all that uh, you have done and going to do. We ask you right now that you will uh, use me, Father God, as the vessel uh, that I am, just to uh, be your mouthpiece, Father God, this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We want to uh, turn in our Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Again, that's Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. It's funny, I'm used to having, uh, I like having the little headpiece, earpiece thing on, uh, but it was giving me some trouble this morning. So uh, decided to go with the handheld mic, and because I did not want to get frustrated with such a minor piece of equipment that will keep me from being focused on what God has called me to do. So I'm just going to make it easy and just hold the mic, good old-fashioned way. Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6, and it reads, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from clay was marred in, the, in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do, with, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel." In this world, I just want to speak to you on the subject this morning. There's beauty in brokenness. There's a beauty in brokenness. See, in this world, broken things are normally despised or rejected and thrown out. Anything that we no longer need we tend to throw away. I just moved uh, last week, and me and my wife purged our old home. 
When I say purged, we purged. I called when honey got junk. They say point and they move. That's what they do. I pointed and they moved it out. So we threw away a lot of things that we no longer needed. That's just normal to do in this world when things are old, when things are broken, when things are no longer able to be used. We just simply throw them away. Damaged goods are rejected. And unfortunately, that includes people. In marriage, when relationships break down, the tendency is to just simply walk away and find someone new rather than work at reconciliation. The world is full of people with broken hearts, broken spirits, and broken relationships. Have you ever heard of what they call the art of kintasugi? Anybody that's cultured fit? There we go. I should have known Anna. I mean, uh, Laura would know that since her, she smells everything. That's, that's just. <laughs> but yeah, the art of Ken Tsugi. And I didn't know about it until I read up on it. And it was, it's quite, quite interesting. Uh, see, uh, what the art of Ken Tsugi is, is since there are going to be broken times when you feel as if everything is under demolition, when things feel unresolved and ruined inside of you. When the only thing you might have is the strength to do is three quarters of the way. Trust God will take the broken pieces of your life and just simply glue them back together. That's called kintasugi. Kintasugi is a Japanese term that means joined with gold or golden seams. See, if you were to break a jar practicing the art of kintasugi and wanted to put it back together using this method, Someone would just simply take the jar, piece it back together with a glue that is mixed with powdered gold or platinum. It wouldn't be like a super glue where the item looks perfect because the glue is clear. You see, you would see the gold in all the cracks. You would know that the object has breaks in it. Those who practice kintasugi believe that just because something breaks doesn't mean it cannot be used anymore. And that's what God simply does with us. Just because something is broken or something breaks, God just doesn't throw us away. God kind of practices that art of kintasugi, but instead of using uh, a, a gold or platinum glue, he uses his love to put us back together again. It's not about perfection. It's not about resilience. The once broken thing becomes more valuable because now there is gold binding the pieces together. And that is my message today. The once broken person becomes more valuable because God has put you back together again. See, have you made a mess of your life? I know someone out here Someone in this congregation, including myself, have you made a mess of your life? Do you wish you could just have another chance just to simply start over again? Is that the way you feel God can make your life anew today? God sent his prophet Jeremiah to teach this simple lesson to Israel. 
Jeremiah 18, 1, 2 says, the word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go to the potter's house and there I will cause thee to hear my words. You see, pottery is one of the oldest arts in the world and it remains virtually unchanged. The potter would take a lump of clay and twist it and knead it and pound it until all the bubbles and impurities were out of it and it was soft and pliable. Then he would put the clay on the wheel, which was turned by a treadle. The potter would throw the lump of clay in the middle of that wheel, and, with, and the wheel would begin to spin. Then the potter would caress the clay with his talented fingers and smooth it out. And from that unlovely, unlikely lump of clay, there would be a beautiful vessel would come about. I remember in my freshman year at City College, I took a class called ceramics. I wanted an easy one to take. So I was like, you know what? I'll take that. That sounds like an easy A. But unfortunately, it was not an easy A. I was in over my head. Ceramics was pretty much like pottery where you pretty much, we had a project to do and I had to kind of draw out this vase that I was going to create. And I, and I, draw, I drew on a piece of paper what I wanted the vase to look like. And I began, and my teacher came and just threw a lump of clay on my, on my workstation. And as we begin to kind of twist it and needle it and pound it to soften it up. And then once I got that done, uh, I put the clay on the wheel. And then I began to think what I was doing, what was right. I began to shape the clay as kind of like how I wanted it to come out and spinning it and making a mess of everything and just, and just kind of like twisting it all up and about. And I thought that I had, what I had was this beautiful vase. But when I got finished, my vase was lopsided. See, and it kind of reminds me of when you try to take matters into your own hands and you try to form your own pattern of what your life should look like and you have an idea of what you think your life should look like and you begin to form it like how you want it to look like. But then you begin to shape it and then at the finished result, you ain't nothing but a lopsided piece of broken pottery. You're not in the potter's hands because you took matters into your own hands. Verse 6 in Jeremiah tells us very clearly that God is the potter and mankind is the clay. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. God, you see, is the master workman, and he wants to make something beautiful out of your life. In the book, uh, invitation to a journey by uh, M. Robert Mulholland and Ruth Haley Barton describes the reality of what it means to take up our cross in our daily lives. Sometimes we suffer under the illusion that our incompleteness and our brokenness or our deadness is something like a sweater that we can just easily unbutton and slip off. It's not that easy. Our brokenness is, like Pogo said, we have met the enemy and he is us. This is what Jesus indicates when he speaks about losing yourself. 
the part of you which has not yet been formed in the image of Christ is not simply a thing in you. It is a essential part of who you are. This is what Jesus is pointing to when he calls up us to take up our cross. See, our cross is not that cantankerous person we have to deal with uh, day by day. Our cross is not that employer we just can't get along with. Our cross is not that neighbor or our work colleague who cuts across every grain in every single time of every relationship. Nor is our cross the difficulties and infirmities that the flow of life brings to us beyond our control. Those things are not our cross. Our cross is the point of our unlikeness to the image of Christ, where we must die to self in order to be raised by God into a wholeness of life in the image of Christ right there at that point. You see, God's desire to take what the world and sin has broken, beaten, and battered, and make it whole again. Consider we have already been, we were already born broken. Not one person in this room was born perfect, was born made whole. We were born broken. We were born broken into a life of natural sin. You know, a child, you never have to teach a child to do wrong. They already know how to do wrong. It's the natural inclination. You have to teach a child to do right because we are born into sin. No one is born perfect. We are born broken. But through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, God is able to take what is broken and make it anew. Now I'm getting ready to get into my message. There's actually four parts that the Spirit of God was able to show me in this passage of Scripture. The first thing is that the brokenness that sin has caused. What has, what has sin caused to be broken? Number one, sin has caused us to have a broken body. Our bodies, our flesh are under the curse and penalty of death. God made us perfect. We were made to live forever. But the penalty of sin caused our bodies to become over time to get sick, to get cancer, to get Alzheimer's, to get COVID. Our bodies now are like a, a, a petri dish for all types of diseases. Our bodies are made to be are, are now broken now. So that's why we have doctors and nurses and all of these things, because our bodies are broken. Sin has caused that. What another thing is broken? We live in a broken world. Afghanistan alone shows that. The Middle East has been a battleground for war over centuries. Baltimore City is a battleground for violence. For decades, we live in a broken world. We also live in a broken society. Society says it's okay to be 
uh, to be homosexual. It's okay for a man to lay with another man. It's okay for a woman to lay with another woman. But God says that's not okay. We live in a society that says now those things are acceptable. We live in a broken society. We have broken families caused by sin. Fathers in jail, mothers strung out on drugs, children not made whole because families are broken. You have right now, you have uh, 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 parents, moms taking the children to church while the father sits at home ready for the 12 o'clock NFL kickoff. It doesn't make sense. Families no longer are whole. Families don't worship together anymore. It seems like the enemy is winning. He attacks the Christian family. He attacks families because families are the backbone of the church. We live we have broken families. It's so good to see a family when the mother and the father and the children all come together to church to worship God. That's sex an example for your children in the household. When families are able to pray together and worship together. That's a good thing. But unfortunately, we, sin has broken up families. Another thing sin has caused to be broken is the broken relationship with God. Oh, that's the big one right there. Sin has caused us to be separated from God. We're on one side and God is on the other. And what separates us is sin, the unbelief in his son, Jesus Christ. Number two, that what this scripture has showed is that simply there are some things in our lives that need to be broken. Number one, pride. Pride needs to be broken in our lives. Pride says, I did this. I did that. I'm responsible for that. Pride makes you stick out your chest in an ungodly way. And God detests a prideful person. That needs to be broken in our lives. Anyone who suffers from pride in that, that ungodly way, it needs to be broken in your life. Another thing that needs to be broken in our life is self-will. Self-will says, I want to do this my way. Not your will, but my will. That's what we pray to God. No, it should be the other way around. Lord, let your will be done, not my will. But we pray, Lord, I want my will to be done, not your will. That self-will needs to be broken in us. It's a part of pride that says, I can do it on my own. I don't need God. The other thing that needs to be broken in our life is stubbornness. If you notice, all of these things are connected. Stubbornness. Stubbornness says, I'm not going to do this. I want to do this. My little six-year-old has a stubborn streak. I'll tell him the sky is blue. He says, no, it's red. Just because he wants to be right. No, it's blue. Look. But we have that in us. We all have that in us. A sense of stubbornness that says, I know what's best for me. 
and I'm going to do it what's best for me. I'm right. God, you're wrong. Sinful habits need to be broken in our lives. Sinful habits. I'm not giving this sin up. It feels too good. If loving sin is wrong, I don't want to be right. Sinful habits. And let's be honest, we all have them. I have them. And they need to be broken in my life. They need to be broken in your life. Sinful habits, they keep us from being who God wants us to be. Number, point number three. The beautiful thing about what broke it, the brokenness that sin has caused and then the things that need to be broken in our lives Point number three is very important because point number three says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Psalms 34, 18 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. There is something about reaching a breaking point that causes us to seek the Lord more sincerely. The Lord knows how to resist the proud, but he cannot resist a broken and contrite heart. You see, one thing, the Lord, the Lord likes to social distance the proud. Six feet over that way, please. See, he, 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 he can resist a prideful person. But it's something about a, a, a man or a woman with a broken heart that sincerely wants to cry out to God. And they cry out to God. Oh, God draws near to that person. He says, no, I hear your cry. You come a little closer. You get a little closer to me because I can see your brokenness. I can see your desire to be healed. So you come to me. I want you close to me. He, God can't resist that. That's a beautiful thing with Christ. He cannot resist a broken and contrite heart. When our hearts are broken by sin and by what the world is doing and we fall upon our knees and cry out, Abba, Father, God hears that cry and he draws near, nigh unto you. See, God, he keeps himself accessible to the brokenhearted and is always on hand to rescue the crushed in spirit. My fourth point has four parts. And what God showed me in this passage is there, there are, are, are four different vessels. Four different vessels that's in the potter's hands. The first vessel is a vessel made. Don't forget it. We are all vessels. We are all a lump of clay. But then there's the, the vessel made. See, there are things that form the vessel. The touch of the father's hand is number one. The whole time God is touching our lives and making them what he wants them to be. Then you have the will. The will represents the circumstances and our daily lives. God sees to it that our lives revolve around certain events. So don't, don't ever feel bad because the things in your life 
the events that has taken place in your life has has not uh, uh, brought you to where you want to be. God has either allowed them to take place or he has caused them to take place because each event in your life is shaping you how God wants you to be. It, you're on the wheel of life and everything that happens in your life is for a reason. Everything. God can use no matter what circumstance you, that you are stirring at. No matter if it's a divorce from your wife, a sick child, or stirring at prison time. God can use every circumstance in your life. Every single one to put you on that wheel and shape you how he wants you to be. Sometimes we think the things in our lives are so overwhelming to us that God doesn't know what he's doing, that we know best. But just stay on the potter's wheel and allow God to shape you how he wants you to be. The second vessel is a vessel that is marred. A vessel that is marred. Jeremiah 18.4 says the vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. I'll guarantee you that the problem was not in the potter, but it's in the clay. The problem is not with God, it's with you. As the clay, there are two things that can keep your life from being what it ought to be. Number one is the clay might contain a hidden impurity, a flaw beneath the surface. Down deep, there is some secret sin no, that knows about that nobody knows. Down deep, there's a secret sin that you only know about and that you want to keep doing. That flaw, that hidden impurity that the rest of us can't see. But you are flawed. Because that sin is causing that impurity in your life. The clay is simply not pliable enough. It's stiff and unyielding. That's how some of us are in the hands of God. We are stiff and unyielding. We don't, we're not pliable enough. We, we, we're not soft enough. We're stubborn. The Lord tells you to witness, you don't. The Lord tells you to give, you won't. The Lord tells you to, to forgive, you can't. The Lord tells you to take up your cross and follow him. You say, how far do I have to go? You're like a little child. Are we there yet? You're just stiff and unyielding. You won't yield yourself to the, the hand of God to mold and shape your life how the, he sees best. Then there's the vessel that is mended. See, there's still hope for you. Verse 4 says, he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. See, as long as you stay in the potter's hands, you have hope. See, God can take you right now where you are and make out of your life another vessel. Picture this. 
There's a, a, a you have a, a beautifully crafted picture, handmade, been in your family for generations. But that picture, over the course of time, has decayed and it's begun to have cracks in it. So you go to pour water into that pitcher. What happens to the water when you pour it into that pitcher? The water begins to seep out. But now picture, now picture this. You are that pitcher. You're in the hand of God. You have cracks in you. But see, God doesn't pour water into the pitcher. He pours his love into the pitcher. And see, the love doesn't seep out. It heals up the cracks. And it makes it better in your life. You become whole again. That's the difference between God pouring his love in you and when you're in the potter's hands. Amen? God can mend a broken life if you give him all the pieces. Don't hold some of the brokenness back from God. Give him all the pieces of your, of your broken life. And then you have a, a mutilated vessel. You see, with this message of hope comes a warning. In Jeremiah 19, God told Jeremiah to get a vessel from the potter. And in verse 10 says, Then shalt thou break the bottle in the sight of the men that go with thee. God said, Do you see this clay vessel? Watch it as it is smashed and can't be repaired. You see, God is saying that people can go on in their sin until their hearts are hardened. God is the God of second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. But comes a time when life is so hardened by sin that God gives you over to that sin. You'll cross God's deadline. And like a vessel, you cannot be put back together again. So there's a warning that comes about a hardened heart. Now to get to my last and final point, this is my favorite point of this. And this is that, you see, not only is there beauty in our brokenness, not only is God close to the brokenhearted and, and, and a heart that is contrite, not only does he hear the cry of, 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 of a broken person and wants to draw near to them, that's the beauty. There's a beauty in that. But there's also a beauty in the broken body of Jesus Christ. There's a beauty in the brokenness of Jesus. And what is that beauty? God sent his son who was without sin to be broken so that we might be healed. On the night before he died, Jesus broke bread and said this is my body which is broken for you we do it every single Sunday he went all the way to Calvary to die so that we can live the flash TV show the flash is one of my favorite shows I don't know who I don't know who else watches it but I do I enjoy the flash right 
one of the uh, one of the episodes in the Flash, the Flash had lost uh, his speed through the Speed Force, and he was they were trying to figure out how to get it back. And while they were trying to figure out how to get it back, the uh, uh, Central City was under attack, and he couldn't do anything about it. So what happened is that someone who was able to they tried to figure out all these different types of ways to get the Flash's speed back until finally someone figured out that they were the one to be able to give the Flash's speed back. But that person had to die. See, that person sacrificed himself in order for the Flash to get his speed back to save the city. So at the end of the episode, once the city was saved, Flash was sitting with his friends and said, how am I supposed to feel? How am I supposed to live knowing that he sacrificed his life for me? And one of his friends said, that's exactly what you're supposed to do, live. And it reminded me of sometimes Christians alike we sit there and say, how am I supposed to live knowing that Jesus Christ gave his life for me? What am I supposed to do with my life? You are to live. Not only to live, but to live more abundantly. You are to live with joy. You are to live with peace. You are to live with power. You are to live with uh, happiness. You are to live with the salvation, knowing, knowing that salvation is eternal for you. You are to live a life worthy of holy and acceptable unto God. That's how you're supposed to live. See, Christ's death had made it possible for broken, sinful humanity to be reconciled to God and be healed. Without the broken body of Jesus, we could not be made whole. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. You all know the scripture, Isaiah 53, 5. Only when we surrender to Christ can we be restored and transformed. Such surrender requires a brokenness on our part. Romans 6, 1 through 14 describes how believers become dead to sin and alive to Christ. Claim the promises that God that can't be broken. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. John 16, 33, a righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. I want to leave you with one of my favorite old school gospel songs. I remember hearing it when I was growing up in my mom's house and in my grandparents' house. I would like to sing it for you, but I'm not going to do that because I, I don't want to be put out to church. I thought about trying to sing it, but I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Joe might never have me preach again. But these words of this song touched my heart then, and it touches my heart now. And I hope this touches your heart. Listen to the words of the song by Tremaine Hawkins. 
in case you have fallen by the wayside of life, dreams and visions shattered, you're all broken inside. You don't have to stay in the shape that you're in. The potter wants to put you back together again. In case your situation has turned upside down and all that you have accomplished is now on the ground, you don't have to stay in the shape that you're in. The potter wants to put you back together again. You who are broken, stop by the potter's house. You who need mending, stop by the potter's house. Give him the fragments of your broken life. My friend, the potter wants to put you back together again. There's joy in the potter's house. There's peace in the potter's house. Love in the potter's house. There is salvation in the potter's house. There is healing in the potter's house. There is deliverance in the potter's house. You will find everything you need in the potter's house. Amen. Let us pray.